Well, good morning, St. Paul's. Uh, wherever St. Paul's is this morning, we're glad that you are here joining us for morning prayer, online worship here at 10 o'clock. Uh, just a few things before we get started. Uh, there is a bulletin that is available, and uh, it is available on Facebook, and it is on our website. So if you want to follow along uh, with a bulletin, you can do so by going to those places. Also, before I forget, some people have wondered why I'm talking to this camera right here, uh, and that's because this is a Facebook Live camera, and there's another camera around uh, that is feeding directly to our website. So today, I'm going to be looking at both cameras, I hope. Camera there, camera there, camera here. So that's why I'm doing that. Um, let's see, there are still no... Um, uh, cases of the coronavirus that are confirmed directly within the St. Paul's community, within the St. Paul's family, but I am beginning to receive notices from uh, parishioners that uh, others have been affected, family members, friends, and so um, I'm beginning to hear a little bit more news of how this is affecting this congregation more directly. Rainy remains at Westminster Canterbury. Uh, the good news about that is that there are no confirmed cases there, and they're doing everything at Westminster Canterbury to make sure that that stays the case. Um, so Rainey sends her love. Uh, we've been in conversation a lot this week. Um, I hope you've been uh, enjoying the evening prayer services that have been happening at 6. Uh, those have been uh, really meaningful to a lot of people. Uh, Rainey and Chris and I have met, and we have established a Holy Week schedule for Holy Week. Of course, Palm Sunday is a week from today, and we have some things lined up for um, Palm Sunday. But we're also planning to have a service every day during Holy Week at 6 o'clock and sometimes more. And we're planning an Easter Day service, of course, all online. So um, a schedule will be out soon about those um, services. Some of you have asked about giving. Um, if you feel called to continue your contributions to St. Paul's, that would be greatly appreciated. And there are a number of ways to do that on our website, stpaulsrva.org. But we also realize that this is a time when a significant amount of people are taking financial hits. So I totally honor that and understand that. So whatever you feel comfortable doing or called to do, I totally respect. Um, let's see. We've got a few more members of the St. Paul's community with us today. Uh, we have some of our choristers here. And, of course, Linda is here. She's going to do a story time with the kids a little bit later after my sermon. Um, but we still have 10 people or less here gathered. And we are all six feet apart. Um, I think that's it for now. Um, morning prayer right to St. Paul's. Welcome.
morning prayer begins on page 76 in the Book of Common Prayer. Page 76, if you're following along in the prayer book. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repents of evil. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. readings for today's service are the readings for the fifth Sunday in Lent, and the psalm that is appointed for today is Psalm 130, 130. And if you're following along in the prayer book, it can be found on page 784. 
And we'll read the psalm in unison. Out of the depths have I called to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears consider well the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, were to note what is done amiss, O Lord, who could stand? For there is forgiveness with you. Therefore, you shall be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for him. In his word is my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy. With him there is plenteous redemption. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. So today we're going to um, kind of double up on our liturgical moments. Uh, I'm going to preach, but I'm also going to read the gospel at the same time. Because this is a little bit of a longer gospel, as it has been for the last (laughs) several weeks, I think it's good to kind of go through bit by bit and kind of understand what's going on here so that we're not kind of washed away by all of the words. Um, In general... Uh, what's happening here, the story is the raising of Lazarus, right? The raising of Lazarus. We know the big picture. So let's dig into a little bit of the story itself. It's chapter 11, chapter 11, verse 1, and we're going to move through verse 45. So if you have a Bible or if you want to pull it up online, um, it is uh, John chapter 11, 1 through 45. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Martha was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So we, here we have a little bit of a setup. Um, we are told that this is a family. And we've heard from this, about this family in the past. Uh, this is the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. We know the story of Martha and Mary, right? Uh, Mary was the one that sat at Jesus' feet. And Martha was the one that was busy in the kitchen. So we've heard about this family before. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, He whom you love is ill. Now, I want to stop here and just talk about that word love. This is the only gospel where I get the sense that Jesus is really in an intimate relationship with a family, with friends. This is the only time we kind of get a glimpse into Jesus' headspace that he has relationships with other people. And this is probably a house where he might have gone and hung out and just kind of been with his people. I love that. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, 
so that the Son of Man may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Here again, John is reiterating the fact that Jesus loved, loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. But then something peculiar happens. Jesus knows that he's ill, but he stays away two days longer. And that might make people go, what is up with Jesus doing that? Why wouldn't he just race there? Um, And this is a sense in John's gospel that Jesus is the Lord of all creation, that Jesus is in control of the situation. So it's not like he's being a control freak. It's just that Jesus is trying to say that he and God are the same and that they have all of this in hand. Of course, we might think about where we are now and how we can look through the lenses of this gospel at how God and Jesus in our own lives has this situation in hand. Then, I'm at verse 7. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jewish leaders were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. There's that theme, right? We've been talking about it. Light and darkness. John's gospel. Light and dark play in all the time. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he'll be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. So this comparison is being made between sleep and death, and Jesus is going to awaken him. And I kind of take that image figuratively. What is Jesus doing to awaken his people, to awaken God's people from their sleep? When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jewish leaders had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, 
the Son of God, the one coming into the world. There's an important point in there, and I'm going to come back to it. Hang on. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw, Martha, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So all of, there's a, a crowd beginning to gather here. People are following Martha and Mary to this place. So, you know, there's a buildup, an accumulation of people. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Remember the story of Jesus curing the man who was born blind. And here again, the leaders are saying, they're noticing Jesus visibly upset, angry, angry, disturbed. And they're saying, see how he loved him. See how he loved his friend. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So one of the key elements in this story about the raising of Lazarus is um, what happens back in verse 24. When Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus says to her one of these I am statements. We heard Bishop Spong talk about this a few days ago. Whenever Jesus says these, this I am statement in um, the Gospel of John, it is referring to God saying I am that I am. 
and that was spoken to Moses, right? So what Jesus is doing here is reiterating what that statement was that God said, I am, right? Jesus is God. And what Jesus is saying here is that I am resurrection and I am life right now, right in the here and now. Martha was pointing ahead to a future resurrection, to a future day. And what Jesus is really clearly saying here is that life and resurrection happens right here in front of your face in this very moment. And I love that. And I think that is why this buildup happens. This is the last of the signs in the Gospel of John. It is the final thing that Jesus does before he begins to move toward the cross. And so he is kind of putting that period at the end of this sentence that he is in control of all of life. And that life is to begin right now. He says to Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus hears him. And Lazarus comes out. However, he's still bound up by the things of life. He's got those death garments on. And Jesus, to further punctuate this idea that he is life, says, unbind him. Unbind him and let him go. Let him be free. And I think about what are those things that bind us today? Even though all of us are at home And we're cooped up with our families and our dogs and our apartments and our condos and our houses. Um, We feel bound up. But it's a great time to really notice those things that truly do bind us, that hem us in, that keep us from living life. Because Jesus doesn't want that for us. Jesus wants us to go out and be free and live limitlessly. And I know that's hard to get our brains around, but it's sometimes when we are forced to uh, limit ourselves, it can remind us of the freedom that awaits us. And I think the thing about who we are as Christians is that we believe that in Christ, in God, there's a limitlessness that is afforded to us and to all of life. In chapter 12 of the Gospel of John, Lazarus is hanging out with Jesus at a dinner party, right? Jesus goes to a dinner party and Lazarus is there and everybody goes to try to look at Lazarus. And this is the thing that really leads to Jesus' death is that he brings life out of death. He works counter to the way that people think. So that's my prayer for us all today is that even in the midst of this time, we might see how Jesus is bringing about life, how Jesus is bringing about resurrection, how in the people who are out there on the front lines, nurses, physicians, healthcare workers, those who are cooking food, those who are tending their kids, they are examples of resurrection and they are examples of life. So hear the words of Jesus again unbind them, unbind her, unbind him. Go and be free and live. Amen.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Show us your mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world. Lord, keep this nation under your care. Let your way be known upon earth. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten. Create in us clean hearts, O God. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessings through our worship of you that the week to come may be spent in your favor through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, the King Eternal, whose light divides the day from the night and turns the shadow of death into the morning, drive far from us all wrong desires, incline our hearts to keep your law, and guide our feet into the ways of peace, that having done your will with cheerfulness during the day, we may, when the night comes, rejoice to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I now invite the prayers of this congregation. We pray especially for those in need of God's healing. For Barbara, for Bruce, for Malcolm, for Bishop Susan, Beecham, Jim, for Jamie, for Mary, Vivian, Liz, Brittany, Allie, Caitlin, 
Kevin, Joseph, for Teresa. We pray for the repose of the soul of Bob and for his family who mourns. For Sonny, for Peggy, for Yvonne and Marty. In these uncertain times, we lift up before God all the people in affected countries, especially the most vulnerable and marginalized, that as we face into the significant disruption of our daily lives, we may be reminded of our mortality and our mutual bond as human beings, as neighbors, as siblings with eyes open for opportunities to enhance the lives of others far and near. We pray especially for strength for physicians, nurses, healers of all types. We give thanks for the gift of this community, St. Paul's. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.
And now we're going to have a story for the kids uh, by our own Linda Willis. Um, so I'm sure your kids have been just hanging around the computer screen. <laughs> if they haven't been, you might go grab them now, right, Linda? <laughs> We know that God gives us the things we need, and right now I think children and families alike need peace. This story is about a child who needed that kind of peace. The title is I Am Peace. The author is Susan Verity. The illustrator is Peter Reynolds. There are times when I worry about what might happen next and what happened before. The thoughts in my head are like rushing water, and I feel like a boat with no anchor. Being carried away. I give myself a moment, I take a breath, and then I tell myself, It's all right. I feel the ground beneath my feet and steady myself. And start to notice the here and the now. My thoughts begin to settle. My mind begins to clear. I am peace. I can watch my worries gently pop and disappear. I let things go. I can say what I feel like inside, out loud. I know myself. I can share kindness with others. I make a difference. I can hug a tree and thank it for its beauty and strength. I connect to nature. I can watch the clouds make shapes against the sky. I know wonder. I can taste and smell and touch and hear and see what is all around me. I use my senses. I can feel my breath fill my whole body. I tune in to me. Now the water is still. 
I have found my anchor and everything is all right. I don't need to worry about before or after. I am in this moment. I am peace. Now I share my peace with others and hope that it is carried away to those who need it. And I dream we are peace. And we'll say together now the general thanksgiving on page 101 in the prayer book or in your bulletin. The general thanksgiving is just a way of bringing everything that we have and everything that we've offered today, kind of pulling it together in one prayer that offers thanks to God. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise not only with our lips but in our lives by giving up ourselves to your service, and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now remember that life is short, and we do not have much time to gladden the hearts of those with whom we share this journey. So make haste to love, and be quick to be kind. And may God's blessing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and those you love today and always. Amen. Amen.